welcome to the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. This is Abby, and today I have with me Pam Johnson. All right. Pam, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm married to Chris. Um, we've been married about 20 years. We have four little girls and... Well, they're not little. You're right. <laughs> they're not so little anymore. That's like wonderful and sad yes. all at the same time. <laughs> um, and we just recently moved here to Pennsylvania and we were so excited to be closer to Abby and Jared again. Um, Cause we've known each other for a long time since our kids actually were a little tiny. Right. Yeah. I think, I think we met before you even had yeah. your oldest. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're so excited to be here. And as much as I loved living in Tennessee, I'm, I'm excited to be a little cooler. Um, the, the heat and humidity was not my friend, so I'm thrilled to be here. Well, you'll still get some of that, just not nine months out of the year. Right, so. and, and maybe not as intense, yeah. I think. Yeah. But, but I've enjoyed the snow so far. I can't say Chris has as much <laughs> as me, but that's because he was the sweetheart who went and shoveled it all. Yeah, so we have the four girls, and we're excited to start our adventures here so we're excited to get into gardening and all kinds of things here so we we're just so excited we got we're glad that you're here too oh thanks so (laughs) so we are going to be talking about today just some things that our husbands have kind of thrown out some questions for us some things that they've been asked and some some questions just they they thought we would be able to answer and talk about and uh so we'll go ahead and get started um so pam what gun do you carry and why? So I am not there yet. You're getting there. I am. Um, I do not conceal carry yet. And because I haven't figured out how I'm comfortable to do that yet. And that's a big step. It is. So, but that's something I'm working towards because I feel the necessity and I feel there have been days that I have felt like, I've put on my wallet, I've got my phone, I've got my keys, and I went, oh, and I need my gun, which was a new thing for me. So I feel like I'm... You're mentally there. You're working out the kinks, right? Absolutely. Yes. And what about you, Abby? What do you carry? I carry a shield, an M&P shield in nine, which you have one too, right? I I do now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. so that's what I carry, and I usually carry on my body, like kind of like mid-central body. Okay. Depending on what I'm wearing. So. Yeah, I. That's one of my kinks that I'm working on because I don't carry a purse. Yeah. Ever, like diaper bag days were a bane of my existence because <laughs> I hate carrying a purse. That's just my weird thing, but. But I, yeah, I haven't figured out where on my body is comfortable yet. Yeah, and that was a step for me. So I think sometimes women use that as a step, as a bag, before and not not everyone obviously, but right. But you're kind of like jumping in with both feet, but you're figuring it out. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And we have lots of friends who carry in in a purse, mm-hmm. and I'm not knocking that at all. I think that's awesome as long as you're comfortable and you've trained with it and you know. And you, you have to be smart about that. Yes. But I'll get there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> Every time I see her, she's like, yeah, I figured this out. I researched that. She was telling me. <laughs> she's getting there. I am. All right. So this is a funny question. What's the best thing about being a military spouse? And I think that the next one goes along with it. With it. What's the worst thing? Mm. I think I don't know I think there is some semblance of security at least financial security yes so that's nice um that's something that when we got out it was kind of like oh (laughs) we have to stand on our own two feet here right so and uh, us just retiring that was definitely a frightening thing is okay yes we have our retirement but that's only a small amount and you know that was pretty 
unless the government went super cuckoo and we weren't going to get paid. But yeah, it's definitely a, a little bit more frightening not to have that definite security. Yeah. And have to, like you said, stand on your own two feet. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, a cushion there with yes. being in the military. And then the worst thing, well, how long do you have? No. <laughs> I, I am kidding. There there were a lot of good things. Some, some of the hardest, though, was definitely the guys being gone for so much time. That that did get really wearing on it, us and the children. Yeah, I think so. On the other side of that coin, though, like having lived that lifestyle, I would not be the same person I am today if I hadn't had to deal with being a mother with young kids with my husband gone. Absolutely. Ditto. And and it never failed. I don't know about you, Abby, but it never seemed to fail that something would go horribly wrong every time they were gone. Something in the house would break that was like an essential thing. Once my heater went out. Yeah, during... we had we had a uh, the water main going into the house Ugh. sprung a leak one time while Jared was gone. Yes. But like you said, on the flip side, that made us way more independent than if if they had been there. Yeah. That we definitely learned to figure things kind of, out. You learn to rely on yourself. <laughs> yes. Sometimes. Yes, most yeah. of the time. The other thing that was good, and we've talked about this, is the community. Yes, definitely. Definitely. That's something that I remember the first, like, when we got out of active duty and I was talking to like someone who's like a couple times removed from being a relative, like an in-laws in-law or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, aren't you just so glad that he's not in the military anymore? And I was kind of like, um, I, like I didn't quite understand what she meant, but then I realized afterwards that I think that she thought that I was like constantly worried and constantly like anxious about him, you know, being killed or whatever. Like that was how I lived my life. And all of a sudden, because he wasn't active duty military anymore, I could finally relax. Right. And that was kind of the point where I was like, oh, there's people out there that don't really get it. Right. And you can't, you can't just live in a state of fear. And I did know people that were like that and they definitely didn't. They, they weren't career military. They had to get out yeah, or their marriage dissolved because you can't live in that state of fear and continue to live. To function, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think one of the questions they ask us and it comes up later is about our faith. Oh, how has your faith helped you during hard times? That definitely was a big thing. I know for me, when he was gone and not living in that state of fears, I had to have faith that, yeah. and, you know, when he would call, we would pray as a family, um, just remembering that we felt like we were in the right place, doing the right thing, the things that the Lord had asked us to do. And if you can say that, then what is there to fear? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, with Jared and I, uh, we've made decisions through prayer and kind of including the Lord in those decisions. And so when you make that decision and you feel that comfort that what you're doing is right, then that goes a long way towards removing that fear of what's going what go, going on at that moment. Absolutely. Yes. And then we, we had talked more about the community. When you're still active duty or still, well, for me, we've only been active duty. I don't know how different it is for you guys. Oh, because he's still National Guard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you're there, you have those military wives who are going through the same thing, and you help support each other. And there are days you just feel, I don't know, prompted to be like, you know, I need to call her. I need to check on her. Yeah. And definitely help each other out. And I... I do somewhat miss that community. Yeah, that you there's there's a group of people who yeah are doing what you're doing, and you know that they they understand. Yes. One of the questions that they have listed here is, how do you handle the stress of being married to those two? <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that. 
we get together and laugh at each other a lot and giggle. We do. Yes. We were reprimanded one time when they were doing this, the podcast. (laughs) We were in the next room, and they had to stop and come and tell us that we had to stop giggling. They they have decided that we're Wilma and Betty from the Flintstones because we're always giggling together. So apparently that's how we deal with the stress of of being married to them. Yes. We laugh a lot. And I think that's just a good way to deal with life in general. In general. Yes, definitely. If you can't laugh at yourself, then you're way too serious and you're going to have a lot of bad days. You'd just be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you know it was appropriate, an appropriate time to start training your children? Now, I know that both you and I do. Our children are, are very involved with yes. shooting and, and with helping. You know, sometimes they'll come help with classes and stuff like that. So Absolutely. You know, I, I was going to make a joke because he didn't say training, what kind of training. So I automatically thought of potty training. but <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> but, you know, it's actually in a way the same thing. There are signs for each of your children for whatever training you're going to do. Yeah, definitely. That shows that they're ready, and each child is different. It's not going to be, oh, well, this age, this is the appropriate age. That that doesn't exist. Yeah, you kind of have to see what their maturity level is and what they can handle and, yeah, what, they're, what they can absorb and, like, apply to their own life. Absolutely. And then some have more of an interest than others. Yes. And so one of mine, I want her to do more, and I think she's capable of doing more, but she just doesn't have an interest. So we're taking baby steps to try and build her interest, and a lot of it is she is thrilled to just spend time with mom and dad. Yeah. And so that's a big excitement for her is, oh, I get to spend the day with you, and then we take her to lunch. I was going to say bribe, but that's not the right (laughs) word either. Um just for fun. We go and take her to dinner or whatever. Um, and so her interest is more in spending time with us. Yeah. But you can sneak in some learning in there too. Always, always. (laughs) One of the things that, um, Jared got a BB gun when he was five. And so that's kind of been like a tradition in our family is on their fifth birthday, they get a BB gun. So I like that. You can do a lot less damage with a BB gun than with a real gun. And so then they learn all the rules about how to handle it with with a BB gun. Absolutely. I actually love that idea. And we did buy one in Tennessee, but it was to scare away all the uh, the stray cats in our yard. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what do you think some of the signs are, Abby, of your kids that you felt that they were ready? I think it's more, like I said, like kind of a maturity level when they're old enough to understand. I mean, obviously, they're not, as a child, they're not going to understand the consequences of it. But I think they can understand if you're um, firm with them that there there are consequences to not being safe. Right. Then um, when they're old enough to uh, to understand that and then to act accordingly. Like yeah. when your ch- child is old enough, like if you have a kid that, you know, constantly won't like stop and look across before they cross the street then that's something like they're not will that they have to be ready to um have self-restraint so i think that's a big one that i i agree i i think so too um and then depending i mean we've had our we I don't know that we've really had any of our boys that weren't interested. Yeah. Um and we but we do have I mean our our two little ones haven't really they haven't shot anything yet. Um but our 9-year-old daughter has a few times with you know with help and support. But she's at this point she's not interested really at all. She'll do it because like dad asks her to. Right. But she'll be kind of like, yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> so my 10-year-old, my youngest, is more interested at this point than one of her older sisters, um, which took me by surprise. So she keeps asking to go shooting. So when we came to the range that last time, we let her shoot the airsoft gun. Okay. And she was so excited to do that because 
we hadn't let her really shoot anything yet. Yeah, and I think the same kind of thing, the airsoft or the BB guns, yes. or even like starting with like a twenty two is a good way to start and kind of like ease them into it. Absolutely. So what, this question, I don't know why they asked this question because I don't know why they want to hear the answer to this question. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> what is a habit that your husband has that is annoying, yet you are glad he does it? I think they changed that question. Because <laughs> what I, I swear the first time I read through this, it didn't say that I was glad they did it. <laughs> so I think they've re revamped the questions since the last time I read them. So a habit that your husband has. So my husband has a habit of buying stuff sometimes. He likes to buy guns. And he likes to buy lots of food storage. He'll go to the... It usually, if he goes to the grocery store, he will definitely spend more money than if I go to the grocery store because he just gets more stuff and more stuff. <laughs> so that's something that used to bother me it, and like buying lots of guns used to bother me but I, I guess I don't know if I've just gotten inured to it like I just don't <laughs> care anymore I've given up and I've died on the inside no. or <laughs> or you know I guess I, I've started to see the benefit of it as well and very similar yes my husband my my annoyed habit from him <laughs> is that he also will not planned spending. That, there you there go. we go. There you go. We'll say it that way. And most of the time it's, oh, this is such a good deal. We can't pass this up. And so he'll come home with something and I go, oh, you're right. It was a good deal. But I had other plans for that. I had plans for what I wanted. <laughs> so, but you're right. It's most of the things that they purchase are things that are needful and have a good purpose. Most just, of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Just, yeah. Sometimes I'm bummed because I could have used that another place, but it's all right. What is it like to have a large family with your husband deployed so often? We kind of touched on this a little bit, that yeah. everything always goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing that happens. Yes. Um, well, your family is larger than mine, but um, I will throw this out. Having spoken to numerous people, I, so it's, it, this isn't answering the question exactly, but this popped in my head as you said this, I have met so many people recently that their marriages are failing. And one of them, I'm, I'm talking to this, this was actually just last week, I'm talking to a young man who was about to get married and the other guys were hassling them, or hassling him being like, oh, don't do it, man, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I've heard all your horror stories. And so I just stepped in and said, do you guys have hobbies to do together? And he was like, well, kind of. And I said, you know, at some point you get bored. Yeah. You know, you think when you're dating, you can't talk enough. But at some point, you, you know, after 20 years, we've said about everything. <laughs> <laughs> can't think of anything else to say. Right. But like Chris and I go shooting. That's a hobby that we have together. We, um, we, I'm going to call Chris out. We do lots of arts and crafts together. No. <laughs> He'll appreciate that one later. <laughs> yes, you guys can tease him. It'll be awesome. He totally um, just got busted. Yes. And half of it's his mother's fault and half of it's mine because his mother has always been an artist and a seamstress. So he grew up helping her. But so one of the things, it, this popped into my head, we'll, we'll get back to the why this popped into my head. One of Chris's deployments started off, oh no, it was when he deployed back to back. Okay, so the first deployment was by the end, we 
were barely talking. It was so stressful. He came home. He only had a couple months at home, and then he had to deploy again. Yeah. And we were like, how are we going to survive this? Because because that's that's hard. It is. Yeah. And and we had nothing to talk about. It was like, how was your day? Well, it sucked. How was you, <laughs> your lives had started to go parallel. Exactly. Yeah. And and how was your day? Well, I yelled at the children today, you know. My day sucked too. Um so we fortunately this deployment he had really good internet. Mm-hmm. So we signed up for World of Warcraft. <laughs> I know. You can totally laugh. It's okay. Um, I had never played online gaming before. So this is a new experience for me. But we were able to, his internet internet was good enough that we could play together. Yeah. So we had something completely different. I'd had a bad day. I don't want to talk about my bad day. So that, seriously, finding something to do together that was removed from like the everyday grind yes, and the stress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that helped me. So I know the original question was, what's it like to have a large family with your husband deployed? I needed something completely mind numbing, different to survive. Yeah. I needed something to look forward to, not another, I'm going to focus on the bad day and focus on the kids and just how unhappy I am. It was something completely different. So whatever it was or whatever it is in your life that you can focus on to get out of the. And, and you were doing it together. So it was yes. something removed, but you were building. I mean, I don't know how much you can build your relationship <laughs> in an online game, but it was what you had at the time, right? Exactly. So that you could do something that was, yeah, that took your mind off of it. Exactly. But you were doing it with him. So. Absolutely. So that's that's what helped me, having something completely different. So the last time um, Jared went, he went in 2017 to Jordan, and they had team iPhones. And oh, nice. so, I mean, we could FaceTime, and oh, we wow. would FaceTime, like, at least once a day. And so, like, sometime in the middle of that deployment, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is absolutely nuts. Because the first time he deployed, I mean, we could write letters. Yeah. And we got one phone call a week. And usually he called, you know, it was in the afternoon or whatever, but usually it was about two in the morning. Right. That he would call and he would have, you know, someone waiting in line behind him. So you couldn't really have a real conversation. And he had like 15 minutes and that was it. It was a very timed phone call. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that just that difference in that, you know, span of time where that was like, you know, probably a 14 year difference, but, but that, that, you know, being able to find that connection can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Did you ever stop and think, I remember thinking, so Chris's first deployment and I think Jared's too, you're right. All we had was letters. Yeah. And the funny thing, somehow the army got mixed up. And oh, that never happened. No. <laughs> never. <laughs> they thought that Chris's unit was someplace else. So Chris was receiving all of my letters, but his, uh, their mail wasn't getting picked up and being delivered. Oh. So I went the first three months of Chris's first deployment with nothing. Ugh. And they were way out in the middle of nowhere. So no phones, no nothing. And all I kept thinking is, we've only been married like, I don't know, two years and we just had Evelyn. And I'm thinking, he's divorcing me. Something, Something's going on. So come to find out, he was okay. And <laughs> <laughs> he didn't hate me. Um, just we, I wasn't receiving his yeah, letters. Just but, that that missed connection. Yeah. Yes, um, but back to what I was saying, it, it hit me how much harder and how how amazing the women from like the earlier wars had had to have been. Yeah. Did that ever hit you too? Yeah, like you know, one letter a month, or you know, yeah. If they were lucky, yeah. and just living daily going okay I didn't get a telegram he's and, still alive and where they were gone for years 
Yes. Instead of, like, I remember when we were in North Carolina, there were some of the the regular infantry guys who were going out for 18 months. That's right. I'd forgotten. They did that for a while, and then they stopped because they were, I mean, it was just destroying families because, you know, people were divorcing. There were guys who were committing suicide yeah. because they were gone, and then they took it down, back down to one year. Yep. But they were doing, like, 18-month deployments. And Chris was... I think in that next group where they, I think when he originally left, he was supposed to do 18 months and then they cut it back to a year. Yeah. And that was one of those, oh, thank heavens. Yeah. But, but yeah, I thought of, I thought of our progenitors often and just, oh my goodness, how did those women survive? And here we got phone <laughs> calls. And, We're so whiny. I know. <laughs> yeah. So FaceTime, the internet, how, how blessed we really were. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We touched a little bit about faith. Yeah. Um, but then it says, how has you, how have you grown as a woman because of it? I guess because of dealing with husbands being gone. Um, and I think we kind of touched on that a little bit too, is that when you, I think sometimes women have a tendency to rely on their husbands to do the hard things if they're around. Yeah. Not, you know, I think in general, not always. Right. But I think that's a dynamic that very easily happens. Um, and so when your husband's not around and something happens and you're it, especially if you have little kids, it's like, you're it, you've got to do it. And so having to, you know, having to experience that, and then rise above those situations really helps you grow. I think in any situation, I think, I mean, I'm sure lots of people have other situations in their life with the same thing where they have to be the one to stand up absolutely, and, and do it. So just for, for us, I think, you know, that came when our husbands were deployed in yeah. other people's lives. It comes for, for other reasons, but that being in those situations where you're the one and you have to be the one to deal with it and stand up. Absolutely. And Chris and I both, our mothers did spend a, an amount of time being single mothers to both of us and then remarried. So I know that they also went through yes, definitely those difficult times being a single parent, and I know many do. Um, so we became single parents, even though we still had spouses. Yeah, we had to function. And, and you know, I've thought about that too. Like, and that's something that kind of like people say, that, uh, that, you know, you're a single mom for a while. I'm kind of like, yeah, functionally, yes, but I still have that emotional support of my husband. So I think in some way it's a little easier. I that agree. You have that, that emotional support and that financial support because they're getting so. Absolutely. Yeah. So a funny story. You ready for this? All right. <laughs> we were getting too serious anyway. We were. We need a funny story. So one of the hard times that I had was we were just um, stationed in North Carolina. No, no, no. Back up. Tennessee. <laughs> we had just come to Fort Campbell, okay. Tennessee, and we bought our first house. So we're new homeowners, which that's That's a, scary, too. It is. And that's a whole new everything. A whole new set of problems to deal with. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> So Marilyn is a new baby, and she had had some medical problems, so we were in and out of the hospital with her, um, and then Chris deployed, and I suddenly have raccoons in my attic. Ah. If you've never had a small to medium-sized animal living in your attic, you have, I had, I had, I had no idea how loud they are we had some squirrels in our attic right yeah. above our 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 bedroom that we could hear them like rolling nuts around up there yes but that's a squirrel yeah and a raccoon's like you know like 10 times bigger than a squirrel there were some nights i'm like is that an elephant i mean i, I don't know what they were doing i don't want to know what they were doing up there <laughs> um just the loudest and so here i have an infant and these loud, loud creatures in my attic. I seriously was getting no sleep. I, I was a straight up crazy person at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and in North Carolina, my friend had raccoons. And so she had called animal control. And they brought her a trap. 
And once she trapped them, they came and took the animal. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I've got this. I can do this. I call I anim- can call animal control so right. they can take care of my problem. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is not how it went. They laughed at me. Straight up laughed at me and said, yeah, that's a pretty typical problem. <laughs> and I'm like, so what do I do? And they're like, you go by a trap, you trap them, and you release them. <laughs> and I'm like... And me being a brat and angry at this point that they're not going to help me. <laughs> um, I'm like, so can I just shoot them? And they're like, no, no, no. They're protected. What? How are they protected? It was like the state animal or something. Oh. And I'm like. Whatever. I, right. <sighs> so I ended up. That's where you're like, I didn't ask that question. I didn't hear your answer. La, 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 la. <laughs> well, I also lived closer to town uh, yeah i probably too many people uh, around yeah i shouldn't um discharge a weapon where i lived but <laughs> <laughs> so i ended up trapping eight oh my gosh raccoons eight um and the only way to get into my attic is one of those ladders that fold out ladder mm-hmm. i thought i was gonna die Car- and somebody teased me and said it was probably the same raccoon they just kept coming in and i'm like no they they were all different sizes. Like I I think they had a litter, oh, so some of them were babies. Yeah, they were like small, and then one was this ginormous guy, and he was furious to be in that cage. So I went and found Chris's welding gloves, <laughs> and I'm carrying this trap down this rickety ladder, and it's trying to attack me through those holes. And so I'm holding it as far away from my body as I can. And my sister happened to be in town, and she's like. I don't know how to help. And I'm like, I don't know either. I'm going to die. She's like, you're going <laughs> to die. No. So, but I got my personal revenge. I, uh, I I read that if you took them far enough away, they couldn't always find their way back. Because yeah. I guess they are yeah. a type of animal that can often find their way back. They must be related to cats. But um, I would take them onto post, like really far past the <laughs> shooting range. So they... Uh, yeah, they couldn't come back. They would have to come through the shooting range to get back to my house. Good thinking. Good thinking. <laughs> so, yes, I grew. I became Trapper Pam. And <laughs> so just a funny story about how we grow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next one he asks. Now, this one's a little more serious. What does America mean to you? What do you think, Abby? More than anything, I think it is freedom to to choose our own path. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I think I was actually listening to uh, one of the earlier podcasts. Yeah. And uh, someone said something about wanting the government to just leave you alone. And Jared's like, you sound like my wife. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I just want to be left alone and just let me live my life and yeah. get out of my life. So, I mean, and, and that's, I think, what America was set up to do. Protect people for their, you know, protect their rights. And, uh, but other than that, let them live their lives the way they want to live them. Right. And in, in one word, America to me is liberty. Yeah. Just, I, I don't like being restricted. It's. I, I don't even like wearing a coat. I know that sounds ridic- <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, but any type of restriction, I just feel claustrophobic, and it makes me I don't, just feel crazy. Yeah. Um, now, granted, I absolutely know that we need laws. We need, because not everyone feels the th- same or thinks the same or has the same morals. But, you know, within reason, I think we all do know right from wrong. And once you have the laws that are right from wrong, I think all the laws on top of that are just... They're extraneous. Yeah, and just absolutely restricting and... uh, I, I think that there's... I've kind of come to this viewpoint that there's... And maybe there's some gray area in between as well, but... There's people who kind of like want to live their own lives and be in control of their own lives. Yeah. And there's people who want to be in control of other people's lives. 
Uh, yeah. And I have so, met some like that, yes. <laughs> so, you know, then we have people who are trying to control other people's lives through legislation and through the government and through, you know, those other means Absolutely. outside of their own authority. And I do know people who got into government because they wanted to make a difference and wanted and they saw wrong and wanted to help fix it. Yes. And that's wonderful. But I also have seen the other side that people are in there for gain. Definitely. And that, that to me is absolutely wrong. Yeah. And if you're in there for gain, you should not be there. You just shouldn't. Yeah. So, so we like being free, yes. I guess. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hold the flag. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're giggling, <laughs> choosing Wilma and... Um, uh, Betty. Betty and Wilma. And then I was sitting here thinking, oh, she's got dark hair and I've got reddish hair. <laughs> we totally are, Betty and Wilma. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we should get shirts made up. We should. And, and wear the, like, rock necklace. Yes. Yeah. We need some giant rock a, necklaces. A bone in our hair. Oh, yeah. Halloween. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> Done. Okay. I know what we're, we're doing. We're doing it for Halloween. Absolutely. Yeah. We're 40-something. Yep. We're still going to dress up for Halloween. Oh, always. It's the best part. Yep. Actually, the last few years I haven't because I was so busy making the kids. Doing the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That I didn't have time and the kids were sad and were like, Mom, but you have to dress up. So I would just go my like typical, okay, goth button. Here we go. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Black and a skull. We're good. Yeah, that's all right. We'll, be, we'll embarrass our kids once they get a little older. Oh, perfect. Totally dress up all the time. You know, I try to embarrass my kids because it's fun. Mm-hmm. They don't get very embarrassed. I think they're too used to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should trade. I could embarrass your kids. Oh, we'll have to work on that. Okay, that'd be fun. Now they're all listening to it. <laughs> now they're going to be prepared and we won't be able <laughs> to embarrass work. them. <laughs> Darn reverse psychology. All right, so... Let's talk about our training experiences. Okay. So what are some of our best training experiences and our worst training experiences? I have to say that one of, okay, so this is, this is as I've started helping with some of the training. Yeah. Um, is, and you were, you were at this class. Oh. That, um. And I think a lot of different classes, but I guess just we've started doing the the women's classes. Yeah. And seeing some of the women who come in very, very, very nervous mm-hmm. and being able to like help them to kind of get over that first initial fear. Yes. There was the, the one woman and, and ta- her talking about, um, as she went through the class, she realized that it wasn't necessarily the gun that she was afraid of. It was that she didn't know how to tell whether the gun was safe or not. Yes. That she didn't know how to tell whether it was loaded or not and didn't know how to do that. But just having that information, how to check if it's loaded, how to check if it's unsafe, and stuff like that was, like, huge for her because then she she had the power to be able to know, okay, there's no bullet in that gun. And yes. so I know that it's safe. Absolutely. And that's actually one of my favorite things is to take someone who's afraid and take them shooting for the first time. And that was something Chris and I would do a lot in Tennessee is we, we started a, a group. It was, we called it shooting and sushi because mm-hmm. the gun range was only a block away from a really good um, Japanese restaurant. So we would go shooting and then go to sushi. And this started because Chris had a lot of friends that wanted to go shooting with him Mm -hmm. and get better. And so Chris was like, oh, I'll take you and and we'll we'll go shoot and I'll help you work out your kinks and get better at shooting. And then a lot of them said, well, I really want my wife to learn. So Chris said, why don't we do it as a, a date night? Mm-hmm. And so that's how the shooting and sushi started. And so I'll, I'll pick on one of my friends. Um, we're friends now. At the time, we kind of knew each other 
our husbands were really good friends, but we hadn't really interacted just a little bit at like church or different places like that. Yeah. And she was very afraid to go shooting and the noise. So every time a gun went off, it, she would jump and practically jump into my arms. And a few times she really did jump into my arms <laughs> and we were in chairs and she jumped so hard she ended up in my lap. So by the <laughs> end of the night, we were besties. Um, but it was so much fun teaching and, and showing how the, how the tool works. Yes. It is a tool. It's the only way. Oh, go ahead. I think once you get rid of the mystery. Yes. Where, where there's a fear because there's a fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know what that is going to do. I don't know how it works. I don't know what's going to go wrong with it. But removing the mystery, now it is just a tool. Like, this is yes. how it works. I know how it works. I know that this is what happens when I pull the trigger. I know that this is what happens when I pull the slide back. And so having that knowledge dispels fear. Absolutely. And and then practicing that. Yes. Absolutely. And and I guess one of the reasons I enjoy this is because I I kind of was one of those people as well. So funny, I grew up shooting. Mm-hmm. And my family, I come from a, a line of hunters. So I I was around guns all the time. Yeah. We would go camping as a family and then the guys would ride off and, and shoot the deer or elk, whatever it was that time, and come back and it just what it just was what it was. Um and then my brothers would take me shooting, but they I was the little sister, so they would hand me the gun already loaded and just here point and shoot. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. I was young. Yeah. Um but even as a teenager when I would go shooting, they would hand me the weapon already ready to go. So there was no teaching involved. No, yeah. none. And so even though I say I grew up shooting, it was only to a small degree. And then after having children, I went through this phase of just that that fear of guns, of so many things. I wanted to go bungee jumping. I wanted to do all these things. And then I had kids and it was like, ah, I can't yeah. do anything now. Yeah, my husband has talked about me going um, skydiving. And, like, that's something, if you had asked me before I had kids, I would have been like, yes, I'm going. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, once you have kids, it's like, I can't go because what if something happens? Exactly. I'm the mom. And if something happens, then there goes, you know, my kids don't have a mom. And I think after you have kids, you get more of a sense of mortality. I think so. Yeah. And it's it's easier to lose it than you think it is. Yeah. As, a, as a young adult, you're like, I'm invincible. Yeah, because your decisions aren't affecting just you anymore. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't until Chris pretty much bribed me to go shooting again that I, I went, let's see, I think, I think I went 15 years without shooting because I became afraid. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to shooting and it, it was, when Chris took me shooting, I did just fine, but I was still anxious about it. Mm-hmm. And then it hit me what it was. It hit me what made me anxious. And it was just like you said, I didn't know the ins and outs. Ins and outs. Um, when we got home, I said, okay, you need to show me how this works. Yeah. I need to know, I need to know how the magazine releases. I need to know how the web or how the bullets go in and out of the gun. So we sat down and took apart all of our pistols. And he showed me how to clean them. He showed me everything about him. And after that, I wasn't afraid anymore yeah. because I knew how it worked and I knew how to keep it safe. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, like I said, a lot of where that fear comes from is that lack of knowledge. Yes. So I think that's my best experience is always taking those, that first step from new beginner or brand new to that success of look you can do it yeah and and, and just raising their comfort level absolutely so yeah. that's my favorite part okay <laughs> so if that's your favorite part do you have a bad training experience that you would like to share mm, not 
yet. Not yet. Well, that's good. Let's knock you'll, on wood. And, no. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> so I've had a couple. I would say the worst time I've ever had training was when I felt unprepared. Because mm. that's just the, who I am. Like I have to, I want to have everything perfect. And so if I don't feel like it's like, I've, I feel unprepared if I don't have everything like the way it, I feel like it should be. Right. And so there have been times when I've gone to a class, maybe when I wasn't thinking about going to the class and then we're like, oh, you can go to the class. And then I don't feel prepared for it. And that makes me really anxious. Once I get into the class and start shooting, I'm fine. It's like just that lead up to the class and feeling anxious and unprepared for the class. Okay. And you know what? I can agree with that. I do 100%. It's the, well, and sometimes I have days where I just hurt. My body just hurts. Mm -hmm. And so there are some days where like I go, I, I would be fine to go training. And then I have my bad days where, and I'm just like, please don't let my bad day be on a day that I'm doing a class because I pushing through that pain can really be difficult sometimes. Yeah. So those are days we keep a lot of meds set in the car. <laughs> but it, but I get anxious the lead up. Am I going to be able to do this? Yeah. And those those are my worst. Those are my worst days in general. In general. Yeah. <laughs> so I think some of the things that we've been talking about are some of the reason that we're doing these four women classes yes. is to dispel some of that fear and to help people feel, to help women feel prepared going into a class. Um, I have had women um, express that they feel somewhat intimidated when the class is full of men with all their high-speed gear. And um, I can understand that. I think we've talked about this before, that we both kind of feel comfortable around men. And so yeah. that's not something I've experienced, but I know that it's very common for women to experience. And... Um, but I think that something to remember, too, is that that usually people are there because they're paying money and they're there to, for themselves to learn. Yes. They're not usually there to judge other people. And they're probably not even paying attention to what you're doing. Right. The teachers are paying attention because they're there to help you. But the other students don't really care. As long as you're safe, they're there for themselves to learn. So there's no need to feel judged or intimidated. Absolutely. And I've only attended a couple of classes, um, but I'm really excited because I am going to, the, I think it's the end of this month, I'm going to one of the... The, the three-day pistol class, right? I am. And I'm really excited for that. And I've already told some of the women, okay, if you didn't want to go by yourself, I'm going to be at this one. You can yeah. come hang out with me. But I, I do understand the intimidation because mm -hmm. one of the other classes I was at, I wasn't as prepared. Yeah. And so I felt very intimidated. I think that there's like a confidence level there. Like yes. if you're prepared and you feel like you can go into that class and be, and you're prepared, then you have that confidence. And the other people don't, you know, that, that judgment, that feeling of being judged doesn't affect you as much. Right. Because you're like, I got this. Absolutely. And, and from that other class also, I realized within the first like half an hour mm -hmm. of that feeling intimidated, then I was totally fine. Yeah, so you it's will just, be too. <laughs> it's just in the lead up in the beginning, you get yourself psyched out. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think everyone does that mm -hmm. for any anything in the world. Yeah. I, I always have this like half meltdown before I go anywhere new. <laughs> <laughs> this, ah, it's a new place. It's scary. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> it's a psych out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So the last question that they have on here for us is what does the future hold for LTAC? At least for me, I can see the range of classes is definitely broadening. Yes. And I think that especially as students have come and like said, this is what we want to learn. And then if they have the capability, they're going to build a class around that. Absolutely. So I think that's definitely just a wider range of range of classes. Absolutely. And it's funny, um, Chris recently taught some intelligence classes and he was so worried. Now, I, nobody else would know this, but mm -hmm. since I live with him, I, I, I'm going to spill. You're going to dime him out. I am. He was so worried about this, teaching these classes because he was so concerned that the students wouldn't get enough out of it. 
mm-hmm. that they would not feel that it had been worth their time. Um, and so he was just a stress case that whole week leading up to teaching these classes. And then after the class, he was still like, oh, I don't know how it went. I don't know if they really enjoyed what they learned. And now this is the class where it was uh, two consecutive weeks, right? Right. So they did a class, and then they had a week to work. They had homework. Yes. And then they did another class on a second, the second Saturday, right? Right. So after that second Saturday, and he saw the products, and so many of those students came up to him and told him how much they learned and how it applied to their normal life. Mm-hmm. he was a different person that next week because he had been so concerned about his students. You know, and like I said, I've done some teaching um, with LTAC, and, but just uh, there, and I know with Jared and like you've said with Chris, they have such a desire to make sure that what they're putting out is quality information yes. and quality teaching. And so they do stress out about it. They do. And, and then... It's very rewarding when all the work that they've put into it and then people are able to benefit from that. Absolutely. So so any of you listening know that that's how much our company cares about you is we really, really are focused on making sure that we're teaching you what you request Yeah. and making sure that it's something that you can apply to yourself yeah. and take and really learn from it and make it into your daily life definitely well thank you pam thank you abby i get you know we got to do this all on our own and if jared holds to his threats maybe we'll do it again (laughs) they said they're already making new uh questions questions for for us so oh dear we'll see well thanks guys well thank you for joining us and uh we will see you next time I only need to know one thing, where they are.